I am Plant on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Recently, the University of Calgary Press published the play Flight Risk. Its uh, playwright Meg Brame joined me recently to talk about the popular play. The themes she touches upon in it and um, what inspired her to write it. In the play first produced in 2017, Hank, a 99-year-old former tail gunner during the Second World War, is about to turn 100. Sarah, a nursing student overseeing his care at an assisted living facility, has to deal with his her worsening symptoms of multiple sclerosis while trying to get Hank excited about his impending birthday celebration. Hank resents the restrictions of uh, his care home's uh, rules, and both are lamenting bodies that they aren't in control of. One looking to the past, while one worries about the future. This uh, new book also contains academic essays by William Pratt, David Hogan, and Philip St. John that look at the themes in the play and provide context, like the Second World War, aging in the aftermath of war, and the planes that somebody like Hank would have flown. The book uh, also has director's notes from Samantha MacDonald. Meg Brame's plays have been uh, nominated for a Governor General's Literary Award and have won the Alberta Literary Award for Drama and the Alberta Playwriting Competition. We uh, taped this interview at the end of November. Please uh, welcome to the Plant Online Program, Meg Brame. Ms. Brame, good morning. Hi. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, as I was telling you just before we started how much I enjoyed reading the play, um, I can only imagine what it was like to see on stage. Um, 2017 was when they staged a production of this, the, the uh, I guess the world premiere of the play. What was it like to, to, to see actors, not just say your words, but say act them out? Oh, it was great. It's great, and they add so much more. And one of the actors, the actors who played Hank, had been with the piece from its infancy, so he had done many readings. And so um, it became that partnership of I write for him, he helps me, and that sort of collaboration, which is what theater is. As someone who enjoys watching theater but has never done it or wishes to do it, um, or write plays for that matter, um, is that collaboration hard to get to? Because, I mean, I, I, I've written things, and certainly not for the stage, but for other places and, and, and things, and I tend to get quite proprietary of, of whatever I'm doing. Um, I guess it's like working with an editor, I suppose, but, but do, do you feel... Working with a what, sorry? No, no working with an editor. Um, oh. Did you find um, that that idea of collaborating with a director, with actors, um, was was that an easy sort of collaboration to get to? Um, I started as an actor, so I'm pretty comfortable with the world of it. And mm. I think, um, so when you say editor, usually there's a dramaturg, uh, and then there's a director, and then the actors. And I think the thing that, you realize as a playwright is you're only writing the blueprint in all those other people's work mm. is scaffolded on top. So um, you're doing your best and you want to write something that's good for the actors and, of course, good for the audience and you want to tell a story, but uh, you, you don't, you know, the production is not your own. And they kind of say, like, the writing of the play is for the playwright, the rehearsal process is for the director, and the performances are for the actors because I wasn't there for a lot of the performances. That's mm. when they really go ahead and do their thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, so uh, in presenting the play to us now, 
uh, for for the reader. Um, was it important for you to have these these uh, not only your essay but the the other two essays as, as well as the director's notes um, included? I mean, the, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed the play, but then when I read the other pieces in in the book. Um, it gave me a lot to think about, not just about the characters, but certainly the context that, that the character Hank finds himself in. Mm-hmm. I think, well, I think the historical context is really important, and I think uh, William Pratt's essay on what it was like to be in Bomber Command, how young they were, the sort of intricacies of the culture of it, which really, you know, you get to, in the play we reference. In nose art or naming a plane, yeah. but then you get to see the pictures of like, oh yeah, that really was a real thing, and we get to see pictures of um, seven members of a crew, and we get to see pictures of the plane. So I think that it doesn't make up for a performance, but it makes it makes it deepens. I think the historical understanding, but it also adds to oh yeah, like the visuals of it and understanding where it comes from. And then I think Dr. Hogan's essay really is about. You know, this is, there's parts of this that are, you know, parts of history, but these men are still with us. And how was that? And, you know, somebody was saying to me, like, oh, that essay, his essay really talks about, like, how people actually did really well in that. And even in that essay, he says the character of Hank is sort of an outlier, which is good. It's good to know that not every, we sort of have an idea of that coming home and not flourishing. So it's yeah. important to realize that a lot of people, have done really well and are okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, talking about this character Hank, because he's such a fascinating character to, to think about, um, not just in the in the present, if you will, when we see him in, in in flight risk, but then when we think about his past, because that certainly has shaped his present. Um, he's ninety nine and about to turn one hundred. He's not in a celebratory mood when we meet him, right? No, not at all. Not mm. at all. Um, the. the, the I mean, we all know older people in our lives, and, and some people are like that, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a lot of them in my life like that. My father-in-law is like that. We, My my daughters call him grumpy. They don't call him grandpa. <laughs> they call him grumpy. Yeah. Um, it, it, the, um, and to, to understand Hank, as, as you do, um, I understand that you um, interviewed a number of veterans to get a sense of their experiences at war as well as to get an insight into the stage of life that they're in. Um, what were those conversations like? I mean, I understand they weren't happening at a very good time in your life. Is that right? Yeah, I wrote the play right around the time my dad died. So a lot of the way Hank speaks, a lot of sort of like, you know, specifics about the language he uses and some of his things, that was me being like, oh, yeah, this is my dad, and I want to record my dad. Um, but I uh, talking to vets, I mean, the thing that was surprising to me is how they wanted to talk. I, because I was nervous. I was like, I don't know you. I, I would love to come and talk to you. And people have so many stories that they want to tell. And so somebody, you know, I went into their home and they were like, this, these are the pictures of me flying mosquitoes. And, um, when I met Bob Peterson, who really his story became kind of the source material for Hank's backstory. My very first thing I said to him, I was like, what was it like? Like, what was it like to be on a bomb raid? And he just looked at me and he said, cold. Mm. It was cold. Um, but then as I researched more into him and he got to speak more in his own words, uh, 
people were people are willing to talk. People have amazing stories and they want to share them. Has been mostly my experience. And I guess that's something that we should all know in our lives that that, that different generations should connect, should talk to one another, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 By the end of this project, I was just like, oh, I could just do this. I'll just go to long-term care facilities and just ask people to tell me stories. And it's so there's so many rich, amazing things. Sarah's such a great character in the book because there, there are many facets, obviously, to 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 her character and and um, uh, how does she find herself in Hank's life? I guess is she, is she she's studying to be a nurse. Is that how it works? Yeah, she's studying to be a nurse and she's placed there and she's kind of going through the motions because she wants sort of, I think, what a lot of beginners in the healthcare system want. She wants to be an emergency and she's like, oh, whatever, I just have to do this module. And then she finds out that it's perfect for her at that time of her life. Yeah. Is she sick as well? Yeah, she has multiple sclerosis. Yeah. It, 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 again, that part of the story and, and, and how... Uh, we see Hank connect to that when he finds out. Um, I guess that, that's one of the moments in the in, in the in the play where the two of them really find connection. Yeah, I think he allows her something that you know we sort of have this culture of I don't know I I, I call it oppressive optimism that you know like people are going through a hard time and you're never allowed to admit it's a hard time and <laughs> yeah. he lets her. Mourn. I think he is the first person who lets her mourn and really stop pretending that what happened was okay. And she does the same for him. Yeah. She offers him some closure. Yeah, he certainly gets that with regards to his own experiences in the past. Um, the um, t- talking about death. I mean, that's another thing that that we should do that we don't do enough of. Um, both characters, I guess, confront that in a way, don't they, in, in, in this show? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they sort of have the, what makes them strange and what makes them powerful is that they both are acutely aware of their mortality in a way that I think generally we don't like to admit. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's also dealing with it, with just the the adversity of life, the day to day. I know I know uh, Sarah is sick. Um, Sarah has to work long hours, and uh, Hank has uh, a lot of hours to fill with nothing really. Mm-hmm. And that that's what mm-hmm. a lot of us have to deal with day to day, don't we? Yeah, yeah, and I think um, I think that. Uh, it becomes this thing of when you're younger and you're just like trying to strive and trying to accumulate and trying to establish yourself. And then, you know, and then I talked to like even my mom who's retired and she's like, or I was talking to my, my girl's grumpy, my, my father-in-law and he's, we're just playing the game of like, what would you do if you won millions? And he said, and he looked at me and he said, but never quit your job because when you have nowhere to go, it is so brutally lonely. And I was like, "Oh wow, we always think it's for the money, but there's yeah. community and and just being out out and about." Yeah, I was talking to a, an older friend of mine, and he was he was te- he's, he's got a very good disposition about life, and and at his advantage, he's still got that spark, if you will. And he was talking about friends of his, and and um, he was talking about one friend who, um, unfortunately, health wise, is not doing well. 
And um, the one thing they told him was that they didn't like the fact that they were not in control of things anymore. Oh, yeah. And yeah. that broke my heart listening to that because, um, you know, we all think about growing older as, you know, it, it, you know, I, thinking thinking of Hank, you know, he's about to turn 100, and a lot of people say that's, well, that you're very lucky to get to, to be 100. But there are a lot of things that you lose along the way that that, um, that aren't, that don't necessarily make for a good life, even at that age, right? Yeah, I mean, think of if your community, you know, we always think, like, I hope I live to be the, you know, live forever. But then you're, then think of all the people you've lost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's hard for, for people to make friends at any age, really, right? Let alone at 99. Once you're out of high school, it's kind of hard. <laughs> I was thinking, well, unless you're, if you're a mom, then you meet other moms sure. that are like, yeah. And you're like, oh, gosh, I never sleep to you. And you're like, I never sleep. That's a certain kind of friendship. But, um, yeah, I think as we get older, it's we're, we tend to be more isolated. Yeah, th this play has had me thinking of a lot of things even after reading it. And, and the idea of how to live, I, I think, is something that I've been thinking about. And, and um, I'm sure, is, is that something that you were contending with as you were writing it? Um, I don't think I, I don't know. I think I was trying to absorb everything that was going on around me with my dad's dad and a bunch, you know, just things that were happening. And, and I do have a memory, a very clear memory of being at my dad's and knowing that he was, had terminal cancer. And I remember he was, he wasn't in palliative care yet, but he was, we were having pancakes. We always had pancakes like once a week for mm -hmm since I was a little girl, and he, we were having pancakes, and he was telling the same story that he had always told us. And I remember his wife said to me, oh, like, he has other stories. But I remember thinking, like, no, but it's these stories. Like, these are the ones. This is the mythology of our family. And I remember thinking, like, you know, I think this is as good as it gets, just being around the people you love and listening. And I was like, and it's really good. It's just really good to listen and chat with other people yeah and those are the things that you remember yeah more than yeah the, the... and and really like create your identity yeah 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 um it's such a, a funny play as well I, I i was laughing out loud at a couple of moments um did you crack yourself up when you're writing well, a lot of the funny moments are, like, things my dad really did say. So <laughs> I, I don't even know if they were funny anymore to me because they just, like, you know, my dad really did say that hors d'oeuvres look just like little things that died at birth served on toast. <laughs> That's a great line. The other one was, I, 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 I'm trying to remember it now, Sarah was uh, looking through the uh, activities list or something like that, and there was a religious class or a drama class. And um, Hank says, aren't they the same thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I laughed so long that I had to put the book down and, and grab a glass <laughs> of water. Um, that's such a great line. Um, so at the end of it, I mean, I, I without giving anything away, um, regardless of what happened in it, I, I still felt very optimistic after reading it. Um, is that the sense that, that you'd like to... Yeah. Because I think it's two people finding what they need, mm. and um, they heal each other. I think that's and it's 
and two unexpected it's like unexpected and that you know they each have sort of like they're not interested in the other and then they they find it's such a pleasant surprise they really do give each other a gift yeah yeah and it it, it, it says something again we're, we're, we're pushed into these situations because of obligation or work even um you just have to find something worth holding on to i guess that makes it a little more bearable, I suppose. Yeah, and I think you know, for Hank, who has been in um, an extended care home, and you know, really is sort of uh, has become institutionalized. For him to have, you know, it's so enriching for him to be able to offer something, and of course, it's enriching for Sarah to get the support she needs. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking about is, is, is we were, uh, uh, just as we were starting to talk, um, 2017 was when, when the, the, the play was first staged, um, mm-hmm. and this book has just come out. Um, I read it recently as, as the book came out. Um, I, I've had the experience of, the, like everybody else, of, of living through the pandemic. And it hit it hit a little differently than I think it would have if I read this in 2017. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, it's interesting because, you know, during the pandemic, all of a sudden, the way we take care of the elderly and the sort of lack of care came to light and was in the news acutely, and, and then it faded away. So I think... I think we saw how vulnerable people are. I think the interesting thing that happened with the news, it was about, like, oh, there's all this abuse and all this, you know, there's these institutional problems. Yeah. Um, but, and, you know, the the mortality rates and, you know, how many people were dying. But the thing that I started to notice is, you know, every one of those numbers is a whole life. It's a whole life within them. Yeah. So after a while, we became kind of immune to it. And then sort of, and then it kind of just became not part of the news. There were books that came out during the time of, like, the problems with the way we deal with our elderly population. I don't really feel like much has probably changed. Yeah. I haven't really looked into it, but I think it was one of those things of it had a moment, but I don't, I'm not sure if it changed drastically. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess but plays like Flight Risk are a marvelous way for us to think about um what's happening to to people in our society that that, that unfortunately do get forgotten and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, we need to think about you know um, yeah you just think you know as you just said the, the, every every statistic you know that's one life that's one family story mm-hmm. um, yeah and it's just lost right there yeah, yeah. um it, it, do you enjoy writing for for the stage? I mean, that's your job, as I guess, as a playwright, um, working in the theater as a dramaturg. Um, people wonder, you know, because of other distractions in our culture, whether theater is relevant for you. I guess it it still is, isn't it? I think my mentor always says, uh, uh, "Theater is the cockroach of the arts. Like it has <laughs> died many times yeah. and has survived." radio, television, there's something about live performance that I think 
I mean, you know, it, it is, in a, if you think of like the ancient Greeks or it was the center of society, it's not that, but it is important and it does, it still affects people. And I think, you know, a lot of actors who come from theater go into film and so those are related. Um, so, yeah, people, I think there's been a few times where like I'm always kind of nervous. People are like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a playwright. And they're like, oh, and I'm like, I know. <laughs> You thought you didn't think there were live ones. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I just sort of now I'm like, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing like being in a theater. And, and um, um, you know, it's a slog sometimes to get to the theater, especially if you, you want to make the curtain if you're, on t- if you're running late and, you're on, you know, you want to get there in time. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's uh, sitting in the audience with a lot of people who, you know, there's some people who love to be there and are quite enthusiastic, and there's some people that are not so. They were dragged there by others. Um, yeah. And then it's sitting there and the lights go down and, and you're mesmerized by whatever you're seeing for, for a short period of and time. And you're a part of it. And yeah. you're a part of it because the performance is so reliant on the way the audience reacts to it. So, yeah. you know, actors will talk about good nights and bad nights, and I think... I have a friend who, um, when her her mom, when so when her husband, her her dad died, and um, her mom was in mourning, she would go see plays as much as she could because she wanted to be around other people, but she didn't want to necessarily have to talk about anything. Yeah. So she just loved being in a gathering where you know you're only asked to breathe and watch and listen and react. But you don't have to share things you want to share about yourself. It's a great way to look about uh, to look at theater, and, and um, it's given me an idea of if I want to hide out from people or things, uh, <laughs> where, where I want to go next, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think live uh, live music too. It's always yeah. 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 I I can't say how much I enjoyed this play, um, reading it, and uh, getting to talk to you about it. Uh, I so appreciate your time today. Thanks for this. Thank you. Thank you so much. Flight Risk is published by the University of Calgary Press. Its uh, playwright Meg Brame joined me on the line from Calgary, Alberta, in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Plantin.